So this morning, you will have an opportunity to make a very, very important decision if you haven't done that already. And that's to answer God's question, what have you done with my son? We sing about Jesus taking our place on the cross. God's saying to us, I sent my son for you. I sent my son for you so I could fix the injustice problem inside of you so you can fix the injustice problem outside of you. But you need me with you to do that. And the cross actually is the way to get my presence in you. There's a very important decision that each one of us is making today to either agree, I want to start that relationship with you, Jesus, where you live inside of me every day, not just someone I read about or chat about or come to church and sing about, but a real relationship with you where I can chat like Moses does as a friend. And that opportunity is going to come a little bit later this morning. But I'm highlighting it now because Jesus will be speaking to you as I speak these words from his word. And as Jesus is speaking to you, you need to think very carefully. Am I going to ignore that still quiet voice that is stirring me up to get involved, to respond to the work Jesus has done on the cross? Or am I going to ignore that? and live my life without the presence of Jesus. Maybe you've already made this decision before. Yeah, I've done that, Liz. I've done that whole thing where you say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, well, I'm sorry, and I'll come into my heart, and let's dance off and skip together in the daisies. But maybe, maybe it was just something you said. God is wanting you to make a real choice and a decision to go with him to respond to him. So as you hear his voice in your heart today, think very carefully because we can harden our heart to his voice. We can say no to his voice. Ah, that's just that thing. I can ignore that. Be very careful ignoring the spirit of God in your life. This is a beautiful opportunity. This could be the beginning of a whole new life, walking hand in hand with Jesus today. Think very carefully about how you respond to his voice today. So we're facing many, many challenges in life. A lot of challenges in life. And it's hard. It's not easy out there. And I want to tell you a story about a young girl. And I'm trying to think, she's probably around your age, Esther. And she's really having a difficult time. She's finding it really difficult. People are mean to her, people are nasty to her, people treat her poorly. And she just feels like giving up. It's like, what's the point? It doesn't matter how nice I am to people, they're just not nice back. Life is unfair. So she goes to a wise woman goes to her mother, just like Esperance, a wise mother, says, Mum, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. Life is unfair. There's too much injustice in the world. I can't do this anymore. I just want to give up. I'm exhausted. 
Now the wise mother goes into the kitchen, says, come with me. She gets out three pots of water. She puts three pots of water on the stove. She puts some water in the pots. And she, in the first pot, puts, as you'd expect, the first picture is some carrots. She picks up the carrots, she puts them in the pot, puts the lid on and sets it to boil. In the second pot, she gets some eggs. She puts the eggs in the second pot, puts the lids on and waits for it to boil. And in the third pot of water, she gets this beautiful coffee, puts the coffee in the water, puts the lid on. She sits there for 20 minutes, not saying a word. Esther is sitting there thinking, oh, man, I've really got a problem here and she's putting food in pots. She says, just wait. So in 20 minutes, she scoops out the carrots and puts them in a bowl. Then she gets out the eggs and carefully lifts them out and puts them in a bowl. And then she ladles out the coffee mixture and puts that in a bowl. And says to Esther, what do you see? Esther says, carrots, eggs and coffee. She said, yeah, now pick it up and feel it. The carrots are soft. Now pick up the eggs, peel the eggs. They're hard-boiled eggs. Now taste the coffee. And Esther tasted this beautiful, rich aroma. It was just smelt so good and it tasted so good. And she says, Mum, what does this mean? And Esperance says to her beautiful daughter, she says, you know, those carrots, they were strong and tough and hard when they faced the difficulty and the heat of the boiling water. But you know what? After 20 minutes of being in the boiling water, facing the challenges that these carrots had to face, they become soft and tender and disintegrate. The eggs, they're interesting. They are tender. There's this beautiful protective shell around them. Soft in the centre, tender. But you know, after the constant heat, ongoing heat, they become hardened to this ongoing heat, the hot water in their life. And the coffee, well, the coffee's unique, you see. The coffee is different. The coffee changed the water. The coffee changed the situation. The coffee turned something difficult into something beautiful. This beautiful fragrance, this aroma was just so beautiful and so sweet to taste. And then the mother said to the daughter, which are you? Are you like the carrot that's self-reliant, self-confident, tough? I can do this on my own. But when it gets tough, you disintegrate. My beautiful daughter, are you like the egg? That you start off soft and generous and willing and wanting to be friends with everyone at school and wanting to say, no, I really need to forgive my friends. And, but after a while, day after day after day after hitting the heat, you say, I don't really care about people anymore. They're all too difficult. I, I'm hardening my heart. They're not going to hurt me. I'll keep them at a distance. Is that you, my darling daughter? Or will you choose to react like the coffee? The coffee is this beautiful, 
beautiful thing whereby it says, you put the coffee into hot water and that's when it shines. That's when it lets out the beautiful aroma and that's when it shows everybody else that the coffee is different. And the coffee is different because the coffee has something inside of it. In 2 Corinthians 2.14 we read, But thanks be to God who always leads us, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. There's this beautiful fragrance when you have Jesus living on the inside of you as your friend that you chat to day in, day out. Not someone you just sing about or read about or chat about or think, yeah, I'll figure that out when I get older because I don't really need to worry about that stuff now. No, there's an opportunity for you today, tomorrow, next week, in every unjust situation you face to show the fragrance of Jesus to the beautiful brothers and sisters around you to encourage them and to be a powerful witness to people who only know a self-centered way to react to the injustices in their life, to the difficulties in their life, to the nasty people in their life. They only know a couple of responses, get angry, be revengeful. But as Len said to us this morning, we need to put them off. That's not God's way. God's way is to change the circumstances around us by being in sync with God, by talking with God, letting him lead us in how we respond to that nasty person that keeps being nasty to us even though we're nice to them. We can make a difference in this world when we have those two promises, the presence of God and the rest that we can get in him. We have a very important decision to make today and every day. Will we let him lead us in how we respond to the injustices we face? Will we try and respond doing it our way, trying to make it even, trying to fix it up, trying to make it feel better so that we can let that off our chest to let the other person know, let me tell you what you've done wrong. Let me tell you what's right and wrong. Let me tell you how this is done. Or will we go to God and let him lead us in how we respond? In his power, not our own. Self-confidence only looks like a carrot when it hits the hot water. Good intentions only looks like the eggs that... They have good intentions. They have a soft heart for people. But when it gets tough, they get sick of it and harden their heart and say, people are all too hard. We have an opportunity to reveal the sweet fragrance of Jesus every time you hit an injustice in your life. You see, these injustices are opportunities for God to shine and, and show the sweetness of his beautiful love. Every single time you feel uncomfortable, mad, angry, feel like this is unfair, this situation that you're facing. God says, here I am to show myself to your friends, to your parents, to your schoolmates, to the people you work with, 
to the guy you sit next to on the bus. Lots of opportunities. But what do they really look like? What am I talking about about unjust situations? There's lots of them at school, aren't there? Isn't it annoying when you get in trouble at school and you didn't do anything wrong? Have you ever had a detention? I got a detention at school and I didn't do anything wrong. I'm sure of it. I was mad. I had to stay behind school. I had to go into this classroom and I had to close all the windows of all the classrooms then because he thought that I'd done something terrible in class and said, you, I was Isler at the time, you, Liz Isler, your detention this afternoon. I was angry. I didn't, I actually, I might have done something wrong the day before, but I didn't do something wrong that day. It's not nice, that feeling of injustice, when teachers get it wrong, hey. I wanted to yell and scream and kick, but I just held it under my breath. You know, like, yeah, right, I slammed those windows. It's not fun at school when you get mistreated by your friends, is it? It's horrible getting mistreated by your friends when they let you down. When they talk to you, about you, behind your back... Gossip is a nasty, nasty, nasty thing. Also nice for the flesh when you're gossiping about somebody else. Not so nice when someone's gossiping about you, though. Lots of unfair stuff happens at school. How do you respond to that, though? Do you try and get them back if they've gossiped about you? Do you gossip about them? Make it even, Stephen? Is that justice? Really? What about in the workplace? It's not just at school. It's not like this is just what youth are facing. Adults are facing this pretty much every day when they get out there, go to work. The boss can sometimes be very unfair. He decides to promote one and keep promoting one and maybe ignoring you, even though you deserve it. Maybe the people around you have decided to exclude you at work. Maybe they've decided that you're a good target to bully at work, especially if you're one of those Bible bashers. Maybe they'll just slowly ignore you because you're a Christian. That's not nice, is it? But, you know, it doesn't even have to be outside of our very homes. This sort of stuff goes on in our own homes, in our own families, under our own roofs. And it hurts even more when it's someone that's close to us. You see, that fiery arrow goes straight in when it's someone that we're married to, when it's our children, when it's our parents, when it's an aunt or an uncle. That really gets us. Now it's really unfair. You're supposed to love me. You're family. But you know, Jesus isn't surprised by this. He says... Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Why are we surprised when this goes on in our own households? Jesus said this was going to happen. We don't like it. It's not fair, it's unjust, but Jesus allows us and he has a purpose for this happening in our lives. This is the boiling water in our lives. These are the pots of water. 
And we have a choice how we respond. If we have Jesus to help us respond differently to the world. You see, David and King Saul are a fantastic example of how we can respond to injustice. King Saul responded one way and David responded a totally different way. So before I get to this um, scripture here that I want to talk about, which is really central to why one responded one way and the other responded the other way. So King Saul, he, he was a king and from the time he was, I think, 30, he ruled Israel for about 42 years. Now King Saul, he looked like a king. He was tall, he was handsome, he looked like he had it going on. He looked like a king, yep. If I judge you by appearances, and I'm sure nobody here judges by appearances because the Bible says don't judge by appearances, but this man, if you judged him by appearances, he looked like the right sort of guy to be a king. So he did some great things. He won some big battles, and a lot of people admired and respected him from the battles that he won. He was courageous, this guy, and he was kind to a lot of people. So he had a lot of respect, and he was popular. People liked this guy. Things were going swimmingly. He was respected by his people. But while he was still on the throne, God actually said to Samuel, I want you to anoint David as the next king. So Samuel um, obeyed God and he anointed David as Israel's next king. So he anoints David with oil in the presence of his brothers because all the brothers thought it was going to be him because David was the short, ruddy one. Like who would want him to be king because he's the little one. He doesn't look like a king. But God says, no, 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 I want you to anoint him. So Samuel anoints him. And then this is the day where this scripture applies to. It says, from that day when he was anointed, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. So remember we're talking about Old Testament times. So the spirit of the Lord came upon people. It's different now since Jesus has died on the cross. And we'll talk about that later. But the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And at the same time, the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. So we know from the lesson we learned from Moses that we want the presence of God before we get sent out to do anything. And we're looking for his rest from the daily battles we go through. So after this time, this is when that famous great story, which I loved as a kid. Which, which story comes to mind when you think about as a kid, if you were in Sunday school or if you were looking at Bible stories as a kid? I mean, what are the stories that come to mind where there's a real hero? David and Goliath. The little kid, he's a kid. A little kid against this huge, big giant. And he kills him with his slingshot and a little stone right in the forehead. And the the thing I really like about the Bible is sometimes the Bible gives you some nice little details. And he says that Goliath just falls straight on his forehead. I just think, isn't that a great picture? This great, big, huge thing. This tiny little kid gets in there, straight on his head. I love that bit. The next bit gets a bit gory, and this is sometimes what's a bit eeky in the Old Testament. There's lots of blood and guts stories, and this is when the blood and guts come along, because you know what happens next? David comes along with the sword, carries his head around, 
which is this yucky bit that happens in the Old Testament. But anyway, the boys seem to like it. It's interesting though. What happened after then? What happened after he did this fantastic thing with his slingshot? So remember, King Saul is popular, well respected. But they're having this celebration. And as they celebrate, they're singing. This is what they're singing. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Who? King Saul doesn't have the presence of Jesus, remember. Sorry, Spirit of the Lord, Old Testament. God. He doesn't have God. That's the important key point. He doesn't have God. And he senses an injustice. I'm the king. I've done all of these different things. And this little kid just does this one thing with his little thing with the thorough. And they're all going ape over him. What about me? Injust. Don't like it. This isn't fair. So he's now thinking, this isn't fair. So his response is, I'm going to get him. In fact, I'm going to kill him. But you know, David has been loyal to King Saul for many years. He played his harp for the king. He served the king. He did lots and lots of good things. In fact, most things that David did, until that point anyway, he was really successful in anything he did. So King Saul, on this, well, there was a few things. You know, this was almost like, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back. He was best friends with his son. He married his daughter. There was a whole heap of niggly things in there for King Saul that he just didn't like, that he didn't think was quite just. But this one, to lose the popularity of his people, that was just all too much. So he had a few goes at him. He he had a spear. The Bible says he had a spear and he threw it at David and he missed him three times. But David's not stupid. He's not going to hang around and have a spear thrown at him again. So he runs away. So David runs away into the desert. But you know, he's still seething King Saul. And doesn't this happen to us when someone's nasty to us or someone gets more attention than us and we've worked harder than them and they're getting more attention than us? So he's seething now. Uh Uh-uh, I'm still not happy. He gets 3,000 men. And says, we're going out to the desert to chase him. So he spends now most of his time chasing David around because he wants to get him. Because you've got more attention than me. I want justice and I want to do it my way. So he's chasing him. And then one day, David and his men are hiding in a cave. King Saul just happens to wander into the cave. He doesn't know what's further back in the cave. So David and his men are back in the cave and they see him. They see King Saul walk into the cave. David's men start quoting him scriptures saying, this is the appointed time. This is the time God is handing him over to you. Go get him. He's been so unjust to you. Go get him, go get him, go get him. So David sneaks up. So remember, he's a king with a robe. He sneaks up. I don't know how he cut it off. I don't think it's a pair of scissors. What would have they had? A knife? What a, a sword. Thank you. <laughs> he cuts off the corner of his robe. King Saul doesn't notice. He goes back to the cave. And then King Saul walks out of the cave. 
Now put yourself in David's situation. What would you have done? He wasn't just mean to him. He tried to kill him. And he'd been loyal. Just think, you've been David, you've been loyal, played your harp whenever the king said play the harp. He served him and then he turned on him to try and kill him and then chased him all through the desert. And here you had an opportunity with your men, with your men say, kill him, kill him, kill him. But you know, David has the spirit of God with him. So he responds differently to the injustice than maybe what our flesh wants to do. See, our flesh wants to say, yeah, get him. But he has the spirit of the Lord. And God had said to David, he's my anointed one. King Saul is the one I anointed to become king. So David said, I'm taking my hands off. So remember in the cave, David's sitting there with his men and now King Saul is walk, has just walked out of the cave. David decides to follow him out of the cave and yells out to him, Saul. Do you know what he says next? Do you know what happens next? We've got to go to our Bibles to find out. We need to go to 1 Samuel chapter 24. So 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter 24. And we're going to read from 11 to 13. And we're going to read what David said to Saul when he went out of the cave to talk to him. And then we'll just jump a couple of verses and then we'll look at 16 to 19. So let's start from verse 11. So David is saying to King Saul now, See my father. Look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. That's a choice. That's a response to injustice that David is making right there with the spirit of God upon him to empower him to do that. And then from verse 16. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You see, giving giving good for evil touches people. He wept. He says, you are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? It's like, this is weird. May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. You see, he's expecting that he would kill him. If he got hold of him in a cave, he's thinking, that's what I'd do. So he's surprised by this. 
but he's understanding that he's going to be rewarded for this because this is the right thing to do. This is the just thing to do. This is how Jesus leads justice to victory. If we respond his way, not our way. You see, there's a choice that we have to make. The world has all sorts of ideas about how to respond to injustice. Our flesh is wanting us to respond in a way that doesn't honour God. You see, if we read from Matthew 5, we read, If you love those who love you, what reward, reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? We're comparing here what difference it makes having Jesus and not having Jesus. You see, you don't need Jesus to greet brothers. Who are brothers? Brothers are, and there's a whole heap of, whole heap of instances of who our brothers are. There's three here talking about male children, male descendants, male children of the same mother, same parents. There's lots to do with males. So it's this idea, well, what good does it do if you're just deciding you're going to speak to other males because you think males are superior? Doesn't the world do that? What about... People of the same nationality. Brothers means people of the same nationality. If you decide you only want to say hello and greet and be kind to people of the same nationality, you're not doing anything different to the world, to those without Jesus. What about if you only decide to greet people that have a common interest with you? So Nathan Reed loves fishing. I hate fishing. I can't think of any more disgusting let me give you 20 reasons. No, no. It's disgusting in my opinion. But you see, if, if we decided only to greet people we liked or people that had the same interest, I would go nowhere near Nathan Reed. He probably smells like fishes if he's been fishing. We have to be very careful to make this choice. We have the spirit of Jesus. We don't have to act like the world. We have the power not to act like the world. The Bible says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's a difference in us with Jesus. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, exactly what Len was talking about, from fleshly lusts, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong... So don't let that stop you. People are going to accuse you and persecute you and tell you that you're wrong and tell you you're those God squad and tell you that you're some goody two-shoes and tell you this and tell you that. Expect it. He, t- he says here, expect it. He says, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see, if we can put away the anger and the rage and the malice and the revenge that our fleshly desire is wanting us to do, and we can say no to ungodliness because we have the spirit of Jesus in us which enables us to say, no, I'm not going to follow that. I'm letting Jesus lead me in how I respond to injustice. I'm not going to be a carrot and think I can do it on my own and I'm not going to be an egg that just hardens myself. I'm going to be that beautiful coffee bean and I'm going to smell good because people are going to smell the sweet fragrance of Jesus in me when you treat me unfairly. I am not going to be tempted to act the way that pagans respond to injustice. I am not going to be tempted to overcome evil with evil. 
Jesus' way is higher than that. We can do this because we have the power of Jesus within us if you've responded to the cross with faith and not ignored the spirit of God that says, I did that for you. Come here with me. I want to be your Lord and Savior so you can do this. You can't do it without me. You need me to overcome every time you're tempted to get someone back and sin. You see, sin has got a grip on us before we have Jesus in our lives. We are a slave to this. We can't respond to this injustice. Maybe initially we can like the egg, but after a while we can't do it. We can't sustain it without Jesus to empower us to do this. You see, God's presence empowers us to act differently to the pagans. It's important to understand that we need him on an ongoing basis, not not only respond differently, but to respond differently every day. It's one thing to do it today, but what about tomorrow when you've lost that feel-good feeling from singing today and the next day and the next day? And the next day, we need to be renewed. The scripture talks about renewal every day that he gives us, a renewal of strength and power. And he knows that it's difficult. He knows it's not easy. And he knows that we sometimes grow faint. Listen to what David said when he wrote this psalm when he was in that cave hiding from King Saul. David says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. We can tell our trouble to Jesus. He wants to hear from us. And he says, when my spirit grows faint within me, when our spirit grows faint within us, when we're battling out there every day, we can go to him. And we can say, it is you, Jesus, who have known my way. You, Jesus, are leading justice to victory. You see, to find this beautiful gift of rest, we need the presence of Jesus in our life. But to get to that place of rest, it starts with unrest. It's an unrest that really goes deeper than the truths that we hear. Like Len was saying, it's like you can hear this truth about Jesus dying on the cross, but that sounds like a nice idea. Must think about that one day. But you see, there's an unrest within us when we don't have Jesus. There's an unrest within us when we ignore Jesus. If we've already decided, yes, we want to go with you, God, but then go back to our old ways of living, there's an unrest in us. That's the Spirit of God convicting us. That's Jesus speaking to you. You see, that unrest is a gift to stir you up, to get you to a place of rest. But you've got to decide what to do with that unrest that's stirring you up. That unrest is the unrest we feel when we've been the one to be unjust to others. 
when we've been the one to be nasty to someone, when we've been the one to be unkind to someone, when we've been the one, when we've decided I want to take justice into my own hands and I'm going to let you have it and I'm going to make it right my way. You see, each one of us has contributed to the injustice in this world because each one of us has sinned. There's this sin problem in us that causes this great unrest and we don't know what to do with it. It's so tempting to ignore it, say, oh, it doesn't matter, I'll just push it away. And you know, that that horrible feeling, that weight of sin, it feels like a bruised reed. A reed is just like this flimsy little plant. It's this tiny little stalk and it's bruised. It's just about wilted. It's bruised. It's just weak. And you know when you're carrying that weight of sin, when you're carrying that guilt to say, it's not everyone else that does the wrong thing. I've done the wrong thing too. I've ignored people when they wanted help from me and I thought, oh, I just don't want to listen to you any longer. I'll turn the TV on instead. I'm not going to answer the telephone. Oh, who cares? I've let people down. I've talked about people behind their back. I've been nasty to people. And all of that will sit there and you'll feel like a bruised reed. Because the Spirit of God is stirring you up. It's unrest. Sin causes unrest in us. But he tells us, Jesus says, a bruised reed he will not break. If you're a sinner and you're convinced you've done something wrong, Jesus is not going to break you. Jesus is saying, come to me. This is this beautiful heart of Jesus that says, I'm here for you. I climbed on that cross for you to bring you to this place of unrest so I could bring you to rest. This weight of sin, he can fix. He won't break you. If you're coming to him honestly with a conviction of sin in your life, he won't ignore you. He's too beautiful to ignore you. He says, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. So even if you've only got this faint desire to do something right, even only if it's this like smouldering wick, it's not like this hot desire for God, this fire for God and you just can't let it go. Even if it's just this smouldering little bit of smoke that you're feeling inside for God. He said, he will not snuff that out. If you come to Jesus, even with the faith of a tiny little mustard seed, he'll, he'll, he'll do something beautiful with that. He will fan that little bit of smoke into flame and make you hot and do something with your life that makes a difference in this unjust world. That's all you need. You just need to be a bruised reed that says, I feel like, The weight of my sin is upon me and I'm just feeling the bruise of the sin that I've caused in this life, the injustice I've done. He says, I'm not going to break you. If you come to me, 
even with this tiny little faint feeling of this quiet little unrest in your heart, I can do something with that. That's all it takes. You see, that unrest is his spirit because he convicts us of sin, of what not to do, of righteousness, of what we can do that pleases him, and of judgment. There's a coming judgment. And he's, he's stirring us up because he says, I want you to be with me forever. But this is a sin problem here and it feels weighty. But you can do something about that. And he says, I climbed on that cross to do something about that sin problem. That yucky feeling inside, that unrest, that you're not right with God. And he says, I know each one of you have put a nail in my cross. Each one of us owns one of those nails in that picture. Because each one of us have done something unjust in our own lives. And Jesus says, come to me. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do something incredibly unfair to fix it. I'm going to take the punishment for every single thing that you did wrong. So rather than you having to face the wrath of God... I'm going to face the wrath of God. We sang this morning, he took our place. Sin deserves death. Jesus says, I love you so much, I'll die for you. Incredibly unfair thing to do. But that's love, that's mercy, that's grace. We don't deserve it. But his amazing love is the thing that stands out and overcomes every evil that we've done. You see, we need to recognize we contributed a nail on his cross. But that's not the end. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He says, you can respond to injustice in your life with the goodness of me inside of you. You can respond to evil with good. And do you know what? At the end of the day, when it comes to judgment day, he will make everything right. He knows every single sin that every single person has committed. He will make it right. He will make it just. But are we right with him? Because you don't want to be on the wrong side of that judgment that day. We want to be with Jesus. He says, I want you to be with me so much. I'm going to die for you. And then if you respond to me in faith, I'm going to give my spirit to you so I can live inside of you and talk to you every day. So when that nasty person comes round the corner and gives you another mouthful, I'm going to be there with you and help you to know how to respond, how to overcome that evil with good. You can be part of the plan to change the course of history. You can be the coffee that changes the water. You don't have to be the carrot that's real strong and then when it comes to the crunch, you crumble. I'm your strength. You can respond to injustice if my presence is with you. But you've got to respond to what I did on the cross to clean up the stuff in your life, which is sin. Jesus is so holy, he, he can't be where sin is. He says, let me fix the sin problem in your life so I can be there with you. So the question comes back to, 
What have you done with my son, God says? What have you done in response to what my son has done for you on the cross? What have you done with my son when he says to you, you've gone a long way away from me since that day when you prayed that prayer and asked me to come into your life? What have you done with my son, God says, when I sent him to earth and then told him to get on the cross and die for you? Have you ignored that beautiful, beautiful gift that I've given you where you no longer have to face my judgment if you put faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross? What have you done with my son when he talks to you and says, you've got to get right with me. I want to spend eternity with you and I want that to start today, to walk with me. I'll guide you. I'll lead you. I'll lead you so that you can respond in a way that overcomes evil with good. Even if you don't feel like it, I'll empower you to do that. And in doing that, you can join Jesus in changing the course of history. We can't do it without him. So today, you have an opportunity to make a decision. If you've never made this decision before, think very carefully now. If the Spirit of God today has been stirring your heart where you feel like, yeah, I'm not right with you, God. I've never asked you to come into my life and to be my Lord and my Saviour so I can follow you and you can be my leader so I don't respond my way. I don't want to be a slave to sin. We sang my chains have gone. You know what those chains are? They're being chained to sin, where you can't say no to sin, where you feel like I, I, when someone's nasty to me, I just got to spit out and be nasty to them. God says, I will come and live within you so you can say no to unrighteousness, no to the sin, and you can respond differently. You can be the coffee bean, but you can't without me. So I want you to take a moment right now to think, Is Jesus talking to you here today? If you have never responded to Jesus and what he's done on the cross, you need to do something courageous. You need to stand up and come and stand here right with me. I will put my hands on you and I will pray with you. And you can receive the presence of Jesus today. And you can go forward Today with Jesus. You don't have to do this on your own anymore. You can make a difference with your life from today. It doesn't have to be a useless life. So if the spirit of Jesus is talking to you, you can choose to come and respond to him. You can ask Jesus today.